Tom Kearney on to his right foot and he cracks it home. Brilliant finish from Harrison Reed. Hello and welcome to the That's So Craven podcast, your Fulham podcast from down under, and I'm talking very loudly according to Sam, but we are here today to discuss a very important win, a 3-2 victory over Wolves, possibly a slightly controversial game, but um, not 100% sure I agree with that. Uh, we'll obviously talk about Gary O'Neill's comments as we review the game. We'll also give a bit of an update on the Fulham women's team who had a good win on the weekend. Joining me tonight, uh, first of all, I'll throw to Elton. I'll call you Elton rather than Dad this time. How are we going? Oh, I think you threw me off there. Um, I'm very used to my title. And hey, I was Daddy. loving the energy. Hey, Dad. Yeah, I, was, I was loving the energy there, Jack, before you checked yourself. Yeah. yeah uh, I didn't check a... myself. Sam checked me by giving it the old head wobble. Because you scared and startled me. You didn't have to disown your father. Jesus. <laughs> Uh, I'm I'm very happy to be here, Jack. As always, I've got good reason to be happy to be here. There are good things happening. And also joining us today, we have Sammy. How are we feeling, Sammy? A bit earlier for you tonight than the usual midnight kickoff. Yeah, I feel really. I actually feel really, really fresh, even though I was frightened like a little pigeon on a highway just then. Um, but that's okay. That's just a technical levels thing. It's exciting. I'm ready to be here. It's all good. I'm not tired like I was last podcast. So the world is our oyster. Unless let's get into a thick of it. Let's go. Well, yep. Good call. Let's just smash straight into it. Well, I am feeling fractionally tired considering I was woken up by my lovely daughter at 3 a.m. for a 4 a.m. kickoff and uh, didn't get back to sleep. Um, but yeah, luckily she is very cute. But it did mean that I was able to watch the game live rather than watching it the next morning, which always just feels a little bit different. I don't know what you guys think, but when you're watching a game live compared to watching a recording of it, just the the not knowing, knowing that the results are already finished, it's a yeah fr- frustrating feeling. So I was kind of glad that I managed to actually watch the game um, because it was such an exciting game. Sammy, I think before the game you were pretty down on our, our chances of getting a result in this one. Uh, how do you feel now that we've walked away 3-2 winners? I'm I look, I'm really happy with the way in which we actually um won this game as well. I mean, right off the bat, I would like to discuss um uh, just watching the game very very early in the morning discombobulated and also again just a, a little it's so difficult when you're watching that early after being woken up, but then like your inner passion kicks in. Cause sometimes when I watch the replay, I feel, I feel like an analyst. And then when I'm watching early in the morning, I remember I'm a fan and then it's like intense again and it's difficult and I'm usually driving to work. So it's uncomfortable. Um, but to answer your question, uh, I just want to go into Iwobi on the wing. Cause I love Iwobi on the wing. Now I feel that that is Iwobi's position and he he looked incredible all game for me um this was this felt like a very intense chess match um but yeah like it's a it was a we, it was a weird game it was a weird are we, game. Are we done? i really in, are we done? No, i really I'm enjoy how you said 
I really enjoy how he said to answer your question and then just didn't answer my question whatsoever. <laughs> Guys, it's about up. the motion. It's about keeping the motion going. You know, it's about continuing uh, that's on. Cool. You disowned your father. Afloat. You disowned keeping your father. yourself afloat. Dad, um, <laughs> I'll throw to you your your thoughts on the game. You obviously watched it in the morning. Um, but, you know, we all were. I mean, I remember you saying that you don't know where the goals are going to come from. Uh, I mean, we'll get on to the fact that we scored Penal- a couple of penalties. penalties got a couple of penalties. <laughs> but, yeah, it's, I mean, that really is where the goals came from. But, um, I mean, just in the context of how things have been going recently and, and our recent results, how important is this victory? Oh, huge. Uh, so, so big. Every week I just look at us sinking. Um, that's Because that's kind of what it feels like. That, that mm. always felt like there was a buffer. Um, well, not yeah, may, yeah, maybe a buffer to the bottom three, but I, I still was very uncomfortable about us just losing, losing ground with the the middle of the table where uh, I just want to feel like we belong there, and I, I I think I think we do, I think we do belong there, but it just hasn't happened for us. And you know, you're funny you should say that. I, I'm I, I'm still not a hundred percent sure on where we get our goals next week, but. If you think about it, if you just run very hard at defenders and throw yourself about a bit and actually cause a bit of chaos, hey, uh, I, I'm, I'm about that as well. Jack Grealish logic. Yeah, yeah pretty well, much. Look, I, I think you can say you just run hard in the box and, and penalties will come. It, all the penalties that were won for both teams, in fact, for the game, I think – were due to some very good play, build-up play firstly, but also good play in the box, smart thinking, quick thinking, and getting in good positions. Um, mm. We'll obviously talk about them in, in a bit more depth because there is, I don't know if you guys have seen the the comments from Gary O'Neill. He's basically come out and said that the referee told him after the game, which is such a classic manager thing to say, that um, Tim Ream should have been sent off given a second yellow card when he gave away the penalty, that Fulham's first penalty shouldn't have stood, um, that Vinicius should have been sent off, and Fulham's second penalty shouldn't have stood. It, it, basically just saying we got done by um, by VAR throughout the game, which is, look, we, like I said, we'll get onto it and, and look at each incident in a bit more detail, but uh, it feels like sour grapes to me and, and someone who's had a pretty rough rough evening and sort of come off second best uh just yeah it, it it's it's poor from a manager we, we see it every week a manager berating var and uh, unfortunately we see teams being on both sides of it especially down this end of the table um i i don't i don't think that's a very smart thing for a manager to do to to publicize what may well have been a legit conversation between him and the ref. He's an idiot for doing that. You know, he's he's actually broken confidence there. If that was really said, yeah. And and you know, he, as angry as he might be, that's a really dumb thing to do. Well, I mean, find me a referee who's going to make comments to you after the game. Now that you've come out and said that and just dumped him in it, because like mm-hmm. you said, yeah. if if that was a genuine conversation, fine. But I assume that conversation is meant to be in confidence. Um, but any, anyway, look, let's actually talk about the game itself. And guys, a really bright start from Fulham. We, we dominated possession. We're moving the ball around well. 
and um, it was a classic Fulham goal over the last couple of years, right at the very start. Uh, Willian slipping the ball through for an overlapping Robinson, who puts in a good cross and a really solid finish from Awobi. Sammy, you were obviously happy to see Awobi starting. Um, interesting to see him starting on the wing rather than centrally as he's played in the last few weeks. Um, but great to see him get his first league goal for Fulham. Look, um, for me, I haven't, uh, unpopular opinion, I haven't been the most sold on Iwobi. I've liked him, but I've never really known where he's like properly fitted in um, because he's, yeah, he's largely been playing in centre mid. But, um, oh, he was a revelation tonight. Like if that, like he, that he felt like, what silver sees in him and if that's the future i really 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 like it like that um that whole right side between him and castagna there was a point where like they just felt like like prime barcelona just one touch passing just had really really nice control really creative i mean for the entire game i thought he was electric um I, I just I just don't know why it's necessarily taken this long to actually have him in that position because he just felt so natural there and it just seemed to work so well. I mean, it could have just been like a shot in the dark, but I don't know about you guys, but yeah, yeah, Dad, you go. Well, I'm not sure where you've been, Sam, because I think Iwobi's efforts have been pretty similar, actually, since he came to the club. He has, um, but I felt that, like, on the right wing in particular, it just felt like he had so much control and it felt like he was, he was supposed, he's always supposed to be there, you know? Um, well, I think he, he's a very busy player and he, he runs really hard. He, he's always offering something. Mm. And, you know, I, I think we've been seeing that all, all season, but, um, I just um, spare spare for a moment the thought of Kenny Tete combining with Iwobi down that side. That could be that could be an interesting little uh, matchup. Oh. Um, <clears throat> but interesting thing about it, though, I thought we we were really moving the ball around really really well at the beginning of the game. It was like old old school Championship Fulham, wasn't it? Mm. And uh, it was really good to watch. Very confident. And, um, but then there were moments where we felt like we sort of just drifted out of it again. Mm. And I don't know if it's a concentration thing or just, um, I don't know. It just felt like it wasn't fully sustained even for the first 45 minutes. I don't know what you think, Jack. Yeah. I mean, well, let's, let's talk about the first 10 first, because there's quite a lot to unpack in that little section. Um, we had, in fact, in the first minute of the game, I, I don't know if you guys remember, the ball comes into the box from Pereira on the right. Raul Jimenez, for some reason, tries to backheel it in rather than mm. simple, you know, wrapping his foot around it. Try Again, I, I, I like what Jimenez does sometimes, but I just think he overplays a little bit. And this was an instance where he overplayed. He, he really tries something that's, you know, it comes off every now and then, but wrap your foot around it, get the ball on target and just make sure you make contact with it. Well, Could have been I'm a very be good more, opening for us. I'm going to be more yeah. brutal and I th thought he was pretty Shit. terrible last night. <laughs> he offered really very little. It's really disappointing. 
I don't want to. I don't want to keep bashing him. It's just it's a broken record, isn't it? It's just, what do you? Yeah. We'll we'll get there, guys. Let's try and focus a little bit. Um, the the it won't be goal. After oh, you want structure? Minutes, obviously, yeah, <laughs> I, I want to actually try and make my point first, if I can. Um, it, yeah, the the it won't be goal. Obviously, a great start. I, I've read our earliest goal in the Premier League. I think since two thousand and six. Which is Jeez. kind of crazy to think. Um, scoring in the seventh minute, and then a couple of minutes later, I don't know if you remember as well. Tom Kearney had an uh, an attempt on goal. I think it was from mm. a corner. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. We're a really well worked corner. Uh, Willian standing short just inside the box and slips it to Kearney, who puts a good shot on goal, but quite an easy save for um, Saar in goal for Wolves. Um, but uh, it was a really really strong opening. Um, opening 10 at least from Fulham. And then I, I do agree with you, Dad. We definitely had instances where it was just sloppiness. Um, we were giving the ball away in pretty vital areas. Um, Harrison Reed gave the ball away a couple of times, um, quite deep. And, you, you know, we've said it again uh, about when you play, you know, those top sort of eight sides in the league. They punish you when you make those mm. mistakes. We were fortunate tonight. I think that Wolves didn't punish us on multiple occasions. Um, they made some some poor decisions a few times. They should have got a shot off and tried to put a cross in a few times. But, look, it, eventually they did score a goal. And I have to say it, it has to be put down to poor defending. Mm. Um, the ball gets crossed in. I saw a few people saying that Robinson should have done better to potentially block the cross. I actually think the the winger did very, very well and mm. completely outsmarted Robinson. I wouldn't put any blame on Robinson there. The the one big issue I found was there are eight Fulham players in the box and two Wolves players at the back post completely unmarked. That was it's my just issue. a matter of absolute ball watching and, and it's sloppy, sloppy defending. Um, mm. And there, look, there were a couple of instances throughout the game of very sloppy defending. Um Sammy, you you obviously agree with that point. Um, Fulham definitely should have done better there. Hey, yeah, there was there was a couple of points in the game as well where I saw that like uh, Harrison Reed was dropping back even further, so he essentially had quite a few points where he had five men back. I could see um, like on like the replay, you could see everyone was tracking back. So just to allow that level of space for them to capitalize on that really really doesn't sit right with me i mean i feel that like our defense at the moment is in a bit of a transitional period i think calvin bassey definitely is the future i really like um castagna and i think robinson is pretty stable um i mean you guys know how much i love tim ream i love tim ream but at the moment not that he's playing terribly but i feel like there is just a big lack of balance going on there i feel like and it's so weird as well because we've been so used to having such like a stable back line so for it to feel a little bit out of whack is jarring i mean we're usually complaining about like the attacking front three but like duh tonight it felt like yeah well it's it's not terrible it's not terrible but it's just not a slick machine is it exactly because you know the the sum of the parts isn't amazing even though, you know, I, I, I really like Kelvin Bassey. I think we all do. But he's, he's got some attention deficit. <clears throat> you know, just occasionally, he, he just momentarily comes up with something that he thinks is a great idea, and it isn't. It's high can risk. 
Yeah, can I pose a question? Yeah, yeah, no, you do your bit. You do your bit. You do your bit. You do. Yeah, you yeah. keep you keep going. I, I prefer tired, Sam. Nice. Too much energy. Um, I, 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 I've lost now. Oh, he. Yeah, he'll just sort of suddenly think this is a great idea and and do a very very long. Um, He'll try and pick a guy out in midfield, mm. which is just too high risk, and it mm. doesn't come off from time to time. And um, m- maybe if he was playing on his left side, he-, he he might be less inclined to do that sort of thing. But I have to say, I have seen it on his left side as well. Just, I think it's just in him. Yeah, and no, I think that's probably fair. But with that being said, I don't reckon we'll probably see it come to No, I love him. Though. I-, I love him. Oh, I adore the man. But, like, I, I don't think it'll come to, like, fruition in a Premier League game. But I think they'll get an opportunity in maybe, like, an FA Cup run. How far off do you reckon we are from maybe a, a Tosin and Bassey starting situation? I think it, it should be next week. We're really? playing against Liverpool. We're, we're playing against a very good Liverpool side who score goals, are very dangerous going forward. Tim Ream, and again, we love Tim Ream on this podcast, mm. um, but the last few weeks, it, it's just starting to become obvious that he's just fractionally behind the pace. Oh, this and is yes, you your, your, your smarts can take you a long way, but I just feel like, you know, the, the penalty that he gave away, he's just half a step behind. And the Tim Ream from a couple of years ago is is there and cleaning that up. And and um, even the Tim Ream of last season, I don't think, gives away that penalty. Um, he, he played a couple of poor passes. I don't think his passing was terrible, but he just is looking fractionally off the pace at the moment. And the fact that Bassey is playing out of position and looking better than his defensive partner... Mm. Is a bit of a red flag for me. Uh, I think Tosin came on. I think that's fair. I think it's fair. Tosin came on right at the end, and I I think actually impressed, even though he was only on for a couple of minutes. Um, He looked very dominant in the air. We know that he's good with the ball at his feet as well. He's a good passer of the ball. Um, He's obviously a little bit quicker than Tim Ream as well. I, I just feel like with Diop still unavailable, Tosin and Bassey have to be the way forward. At that point, you can play Tosin on the right, Bassey on the left in his more comfortable position. Uh, you can bring Kenny Tete back, who's obviously played with Tosin a lot over the last few years. So um, we'll comfortably slot into that position. You've got good backup in Castagna. You've got Tim Ream coming off the bench as a backup. It just seems a little bit more stable. I, I just feel like we, we're reaching that point. And, you know, we, we'll talk about Tom Kearney. Um, again, and the, these guys are older players who've been at the club a long time, but at, at some point you have to—I don't know—you you, you have to let Take go them of the, the back. Well, in a yeah, in a way, I guess not not quite that brutal, but um, you don't want to let go of your, you know, the, these guys who have Fulham heroes and Fulham legends and captain the team to promotions and captain the team in the Premier League and. There's so many good memories attributed to Tim Ream, but eventually you have to do what's best for the team. And I, I think Tim Ream, having listened to a few episodes of his podcast, would probably agree in a way that it, it's team first at the end of the mm. day. 
And if, if, yeah, go on. Oh, no, I was just saying, you you almost shouldn't be putting your manager in that position because the very best of them bow out before they go into decline. Oh, no, well, no, I I agree with that, but he, he can still, he can still do it. Um, it's just that he's, no, but, he's in that it, little transition period at the moment where he can still do it, but not consistently enough. And it's actually the consistency well, that's, that's the issue. But but that's not being able to do it. You can if you can do it in moments. It's a bit like a young kid who's technically good, but can't actually do it every week. And it depends okay, on the but opposition. It's not moments when you're a player like Tim Ream. It's it's ninety five percent of the game. But the problem is, as a defender. That five percent can be so key and vital for for getting a result. Yeah. If you make a mistake in that five percent of the game and you give away a goal, it's it's curtains. Um, it's different as a striker, as someone like a Ronaldo, you have an off day, you don't score. It's like there, okay, yeah. he didn't have a very good game. But if if you're in a position like a keeper or or a defender, I mean, you, I don't know if you guys were following what's been happening at Wrexham with um, Mark Fo- Mark Foster. Who it was a keeper? Oh, yeah, 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 ben, yeah, Foster, ben Foster, Ben Foster, not Mark Foster. Yeah. Um, and, and you know he came back and played in the national league and was doing well. Started in League Two and made a couple of really key errors, like re- stuff that you just wouldn't expect a, a class keeper to do. And he basically retired after about f- five or six games this season because he mm. just went, I, "I'm I'm not at that level at the moment, and I can't." I can't do it. And the problem is, as a goalkeeper, if you make a mistake, it's a goal. Mm. I listened to, um, and again, you guys are going to love it. I listened to a really good TIFO podcast about um, this the other day. But it was basically talking about how all players essentially have a bit of an expectancy point and they essentially have a certain amount of miles. So then you see these attacking players who are just running crazy. They usually peter out at around about like, 28 27 but yet defenders and goalkeepers can go for a substantially longer amount of time because they're not necessarily moving around as much as them or their their decisions are based on being more calculated and um reading play and i think tim has finally probably got to that point where but that's but that's counter to what Jack's saying. I think because Jack's saying I didn't that, agree with what Jack said, though. I'm just saying my point. Well, I think the point is that you know fine margins and all that. If your mistake or your your 95 percent effort and a five percent problem in your game causes a goal, that's very serious. Whereas yeah. if it's just you know if 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 you're normally good for two goals a game as a, a genius striker, but you only get one. Somehow it doesn't have the same effect. Um, I, I, back to the point I was trying to make before about retiring when you're at the top of your game. You know, someone on the live stream, I think it was Steve Reynolds, commented that, you know, if we can see some of these weaknesses, how come Silver can't? Well, m- maybe part of the problem is that all of those soft things around Tim Ream, you know, he's obviously a, a, a giant in the dressing room around the players group. He's a hero of the club. He's a good man to have in your side. And even if his form is not that great, you're always going to be tempted to pick him as a manager. 
And I think you're almost putting a manager in a difficult position. If you're not at the top of your game, you're in decline, but you're still hanging about. And maybe that sounds a little bit harsh for Tim Rim because he, he, you know, he had an incredible season last season, and suddenly we're talking about about the fact that he shouldn't be there anymore. But but it, it is difficult for a manager to look past that because if if you're comparing two players for a position and you're really scrutinising it, you know, two or three guys around a table, those issues actually come into it in terms of, you know, Tim Ream getting the oh. nod. Well, Tim's 100%. interesting. Yeah, Tim's an interesting one, though, because I feel that maybe in, like, the past three years, he's probably played more for Fulham than he has in his entire time because he's been with the club now, what, like seven years? Jack, can you correct me on that? Eight, seven or eight years? Eight and a half. Yeah, and for like the past five years, he hasn't featured anywhere near as much as he's featured in the past three. Is that fair? Um, Maybe I mean he, the, the problem more. was the problem was when we played in the Premier League, he got dropped by Yukanovic um, and dropped by Parker as well. Every time we've been in the Championship, he's he's played, and then he played his first full Premier League season last year. So he. He's played a lot. I mean, in his first few seasons at the club, he basically didn't miss a game for his mm. first five years. Um, this is actually his ninth season at Fulham. Um, uh, and look, I, I think I, I agree with you, Dad. I, I Look, saying that Silver must be able to see the problem, I don't think it's, it's officially a problem at this stage. I, I just think he's got to start having a bit of a transition plan in place. Um, and I'm, I guarantee Silver will be seeing it. Uh, mm-hmm. it. It's it's not like we're the only ones who can see it. All the fans are seeing the same thing. And this manager who is paid a lot of money and has a lot of experience isn't picking up on the fact that Tim Ream is looking a little bit slow out there. Um, well, it's obvious. Well, he also as well, I think we've got to give Silver a little bit of credit here because he did inherit a lot of this squad and he's been slowly reshaping it. I mean, he never signed Kearney. He never signed Tim Ream. Um, he's been utilizing them, I think, to their utmost ability. And I think he is trying to look towards the future. But they, at the moment, he just doesn't necessarily have anybody better than Tim Ream. But we're kind of, I feel like we're just kind of approaching that tipping point where we potentially have better options, you know? Yeah, I mean, we've been in a in a holding pattern because of injuries, but um, mm. I, I wouldn't be overly surprised to see a few changes um, going into the Liverpool game. Um, so look, we we went in at half time, one all. Um, it was a good half. It was well contested. I think Fulham definitely had the better of the first twenty minutes, and I'd say Wolves came right back into the game um, towards half time. They had a couple of chances. Um, Huang Hee Chan, I think, hit the crossbar. Yeah, um, right. and Fulham had a handful of chances. Nothing significant, I don't think. Neither keeper was forced to make any Im- impressive saves. And then second half, uh, everything kicked off. Let's talk about the first penalty. Um, this is Nelson Semedo taking down Tom Kearney in the box. Uh, the referee gives a penalty almost immediately. Um, Dad and Sam, on your first viewing of this in real time, did it look like a penalty? Dad, yeah. I'll let you go. I don't. Yeah. I don't really have too much discourse about it. He steps on his foot. Like what? Like what else? What else can you say? Well, well, the, uh, the there's, there's a very obvious he, he angle touches, where he, yeah, he gets first. the ball. 
all of the ball. Um, um, but but I, I don't know why that should matter. So what? You got the ball, but you yeah. also got the player. Well, you can't say so what? You got the ball. The whole point in a fair tackle is that you get the ball. Um, it wasn't uh, a tackle. He actually got his foot to the ball. To to, to he got yeah know. he got the ball. Um, yeah. the, but then, and then the, but then tripped the player, which is kind of fine because if you think about mm. the Tom Kearney tackle to in the lead up to the penalty. Tom Kearney tackles Lamina, and it was a superb tackle. Tom Kearney trips the player, but also gets the ball. So going by your logic there, that would also be a foul. Yeah, and if it was in the box, that's definitely a penalty. So No, no, Kearney's, Kearney's tackle on Lamina would never be a penalty. It's a very good tackle. What, I, what I'm saying is, and actually the weird thing about this one is there's only one angle where you can see um Samedo get the ball every other angle mm. you see Samedo make contact with Kenny's foot and it kind of looks like Kenny shifts the ball away from Samedo from his left foot to his right foot and Samedo mm. catches his foot he, and let's be fair and honest here Samedo steps on the end of his big toe uh, when Kenny goes down and you could see Kenny's reaction post game I don't know if you guys watched the um the interview with Kenny no, post game he said Oh yeah, I mean at that speed you go down. Um mm. he, he was he was pretty coy looking at the replay. Um uh, it, it's I'd say it's a bit of a soft penalty. Um but he does does definitely make contact with Kenny's foot. Um and, and it should be given and I think the biggest thing here VAR can't see a clear error because there is contact. So um penalty given and Sam I'll throw to you first. How nervous, knowing our record with penalties, how nervous were you seeing Willian step up? Do you know what? I actually wasn't that nervous because I only get nervous when Mitrovic does it. Willian, I trust. <laughs> Pereira, I trust. What? Like the last time we went into like penalties against Tottenham, we got five in a row. Like I, 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 okay. One thing I will say, one thing I will say though, is Willian is really, really good at penalties. He smashes it. Um, uh, and just total precision. Um, I didn't, I didn't fret too much. I mean, obviously like it was like anxiety inducing, but like I had trust in him and I really liked that feeling. An interesting point on his penalties. Um, he's, uh, there are only, there are only three players with a better penalty record than Willian in the Premier League at the moment. He scored all seven of his uh, Premier League penalties that he's taken, um, and he's ta- he scored nine out of ten across his whole career. Um, the only people ahead of angry. him, Yaya Toure, Dimitar Berbatov, and Ruben Neves, who all have 100% records as well, um, but have 11, 10, and nine penalties to their names. So, uh, I mean, I, it it's baffling that he... He didn't score an extra seven goals last year when Mitro missed all of those penalties. I don't even want to discuss well, that, it. I don't even want that. The, that that's just the massive ego problem that a striker always feels compelled, even if he's not confident. He's, you know, it, it, they just they'll just never hand the job over because they would just feel like such a a lesser being to be a striker and and a big, you know, alpha male. Get a comfort uh, blanket. Deal with it. You're not as good. 
But I- interestingly, I, do, I don't think Willian was our second choice penalty taker last no, year. I think it was Pereira. I'm pretty sure Pereira, Pereira was our second choice. Yeah. Mm. yeah which makes it even more baffling for me the fact that Willian was so far down the list, but has this amazing record and took two very calm and, and well taken penalties. So well taken. But it, it seems that is the way that you increase your probability, really, is to be able to run in, stop, wait for the keeper to commit, and then, you know, knock it the other way. Which yeah, it's all mind games. It's, it's yeah, all yeah, mind sure. games. Like at that, so at you, that, but but yeah. you can you can still think you've got the mind. You've got to be able to execute whilst actually playing that game with a keeper. Well, this so is you, what we, I love we, about we Will. Yeah, he's cool. He's so cool. He just he's just he's just chill, man. He's just chill. He's like, yeah, I do this on the rig. What up? Still look very tired though, as he always does. He, he always um, does. <laughs> no, he he always looks incredibly disappointed in his teammates. Yeah, he's like, yeah, he's like, but he also just looks like he's about to sweaty. vomit through uh, through pure fatigue. Uh, the, um, the, the, the the commentator used a, a, the very appropriate description for him. He said he looks disconsolate. Disconsolate. That's amazing. <laughs> that's the, that's, that's, a, that's so the right good. expression for that look of his face with his shoulders drooping, drooping down, yeah, and looking fair. like he's he's run twenty five k with a backpack. You know, very I fair. love that he's basically just got to the point where he's like, "All right, boys, I'm sick of this shit. Now I take the penalties. <laughs> watch Daddy do it." Okay. Yeah. Well, yeah. there was a little bit of chat beforehand. I saw Kenny stepping up, and I think Kenny's a pretty good penalty taker as well. Yeah, I think he is. Um, Pereira was in around the conversation. I did see Harrison Reed getting a bit too close to the ball, um, <laughs> which made me very <laughs> no, 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 no. <laughs> Um But fortunately, Willian put away a good penalty. And then, look, um, how many minutes later was it? It was uh, about 12, 13 minutes later. Another penalty given away, this time against Fulham. Um, Dan Sam. For me, again, we, we sort of talked about it when we were talking about Tim Ream before, but did, was there any controversy in this penalty? Do you think it was a fair penalty or maybe a bit soft? Oh, no, I, I think it's a pen. I mean, I'd be I'd be pretty annoyed if a defender did that to one of our guys going into the box and it wasn't yeah. and it was not given. Yeah, look, uh, initially Initially, I thought it may have been outside of the area, but it clearly was nowhere. It was completely mm-hmm. inside the area. Mm. Yeah, oh, no, I think I, I think it's a fair pin. I think. It's I agree. <laughs> <laughs> well played. That's my daddy. That's my daddy. Yeah. Uh, dickhead. <laughs> um. <laughs> um uh, yeah, no, look, in the exact same way that I was extremely definitive about the penalty that we created i mean it's yeah, tim tim's just being real sloppy there and yeah it's it's 100 a penalty for me like there's there's no argument i don't, I don't think it was that sloppy I, I just think it's when you're a quarter of a yard slow and you're a bit desperate yeah. and you know it's your man you, you just overreach and and you know you're going to cause i don't think it's sloppy i think he was actually trying to play catch up there well, it's, it's quite interesting. The ball comes over the top and it's headed on by, I think it might be Mateus Cunha heads the ball on. Um, but if you look at the replay and, and watch what happens, um, Tim Ream, as soon as he sees that it's going in that general direction, Tim Ream actually backs off even further. I, I guess knowing that he needs that extra yard 
to try and catch up to Huang if it goes in that direction. Mm. And it, it it's just, you know, really he should probably be marking, if, if he was a little bit quicker, he should be marking Huang quite closely and Huang doesn't get a a run at that ball, which is what causes the penalty because he gets that space, gets his body across Tim Ream and Tim Ream makes contact with him. I, I think mm. a, a better defender then, you know, it would have been Bassi who we know is quite physical, probably just muscles Huang out of that in the first place and um, it, it deals with it quite comfortably. The The problem is uh, I think Tim Ream is, is just trying to, keep up with the game in some time in some circumstances mm. and it, it causes errors like this um steve makes a mention on our live stream and a few people mentioned it uh, on twitter post game as well uh, and your thoughts tim ream had already been carded during the game should tim ream have been shown a second yellow card there oh. I, I i think it wouldn't have been i would have been annoyed i would have been really uh, anxious at that point. I mean, he got shown one in, to... in the Brentford game earlier in the season yep. for yep. similarly a very soft foul, but gave away a penalty and got an instant yellow card for it. Mm. Yeah, I mean, Look... I mean, it would be very, very difficult to argue against that yellow card if it came. Really? Yeah. The only the only argument that I could possibly give as it's more reckless than dangerous. Like it's it's just it's just a ill footing and just just a bad mistake. I think there's reckless, no, there's... reckless is the wrong word. You mean clumsy? I think. Yeah, clumsy. No, yeah, fair enough. Synonyms, but whatever. Um, uh, yeah, no, it just it doesn't feel malicious. It doesn't feel like he's mm. actively trying to like take out the player. If it felt like that, then absolutely, yeah, one hundred percent yellow card and then a red. But I feel like um, objectively, it does just feel like a mistake more so than anything. So I feel that the, you you, pr you definitely could have given him a yellow, but it would have been. But the the, the point is, so Sam, if he'd given him a second yellow, it would, have would you have been would you would would you have been wild about it? Probably, I would have been like it's definitely unfair. But I mean, two yellows. What, what do you do? You yeah. know. Uh, I would have been a would dick have been, move. <laughs> no, I think it would have been incredibly fair to give him a yellow card. I wouldn't have been pissed off about it coming into this podcast. I would have been going, he, he gave away a penalty for a sloppy foul in the box. You, 100%, I don't see why the referee wouldn't give a yellow card there. The one thing that I know is that referees have been told that you don't have to give a yellow card just because someone gave away a penalty. Mm. Uh, like you, Like you said, Sam, it's not like he's there's any malicious intent there. He's not like he's trying to stop a goal scoring opportunity. It's an accidental mm. clash of bodies, which mm. is what takes him down. And so I think well, I understand why yeah. he didn't give a yellow card. I mean, it absolutely shouldn't be a, a yellow card without question. He's not pulled him back. It's, They've just, it's, yeah. it's just purely a foul. It's yeah. just a foul. A foul that happens to happen in the area, happens to occur in the area, and therefore a penalty. But But it's not a yellow card level. Uh, incident. It wouldn't be yellow yeah. anywhere else on the pitch. So yeah, um, yeah. Uh, so look, a, a, a good good penalty from um, Huang He Chan. It's it's well put away. Mm. Um, and for me, at least, it, it felt like this game was going to be one of those missed opportunities. Uh, we subbed off Jimenez, who I thought had a pretty poor game. Brought Vinny on. Um, subbed off Pereira as well, and brought Harry Wilson on. Um, 
a couple of little half chances. Tom Kenny had an attempt on goal. Uh, Wobi had a shot um, that was saved, but it was a pretty comfortable shot. Coming into the last minute of the game, kind of looks like the game's all gone. And all of a sudden we see Harry Wilson, uh, just pure smarts in the box, nipping mm. in, getting in front of um, the defender. It's uh, Zhao Gomez who gives away the penalty. And it's just, you know, the ball's landed in front of Gomez. He's gone to poke it away. And Wilson's just coming from the side completely unsighted. And he's made contact. Yeah. At first, guys, the, the penalty didn't get given. Dad, I'll throw to you first. Uh, on first viewing, did you think it was a penalty? I, I did, only because I have incredible intuition. No, I'm only kidding. No, I, I actually felt I'm quite incredibly one-eyed. <laughs> I actually felt quite sorry for. Was it? Is it? Who was the defender? Gomez? Uh, Zhao Gomez, Gomez gives it away. Gomez. I felt a bit sorry for him because, like you say, Wilson came. You know, in a very balletic kind of a Wilson move, he sort of threw his arms and body across, and just arrived. And the guy was genuinely actually trying to play the ball. I thought he was mm. trying to play the ball. Yeah, yeah and he was sure. pretty unlucky. And I, I don't blame him for kind of putting his hands up and going, "What, what just happened there? Why?" I'm... But, but he did he did he take Wilson out? He, he kind of did, and so technically, it's happened in the box, and it's a penalty. And I think, would that have been given as a foul in the middle of the pitch? I think it would have. If Wilson goes I, down, I agree. Yeah, it it would be it would be a foul. It wasn't intentional. It was very unlucky. Um, no, it but, happens yeah. all the time in the middle of the pitch where a player nicks the ball away from another one and they get they get taken out. It's not, mm. again, yeah. it's not malicious. It's just no. a player being quicker than another player and they're making contact. It's happened in the box. It took a long time for VAR to make <clears> the decision, <throat> but they came to the right one for me in the end. Um, as uh, a I was, supporter. As, as a, a very <laughs> one-eyed Fulham supporter. Yeah. Um, <laughs> But look, uh, it 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 was there was contact. This was probably the clearest of all the penalties. I'd say it's it's very clear that there was contact made in the box. Um, the the fact is, yeah, VAR overruled this call and said you've you've made an error. Um, we we played on for it was actually two minutes worth of um, of play on after the foul in the box, or at least it felt like two minutes worth until Kenny was fouled in the middle, and then they finally stopped play to go and check the penalty. Um, and as soon as you know that the referee gets called over to have a look at the screen, you know VAR are saying, I'm pretty sure this is a penalty. You need to come and look at this. Mm. Um, and look, uh, again, I think this was the correct decision um, as a one-eyed Fulham fan. Um, but there's contact. Wilson goes down. Yes, he like you say, he goes down like a sack of potatoes. But, I mean, that's kind of what you have to do in instances like this. And... Um, Fulham win the penalty and Willian again. I actually, this was one instance where I almost closed my eyes and looked away from the screen because I wanted <laughs> that to go in so badly. <laughs> I, I at one point I genuinely put my hands in front of my eyes and thought, actually, no, I have to watch this, I can't not watch this. <laughs> um, but yeah, puts away a very good penalty, goes the other way, the keeper goes the, the right way, but it's side netting. It's a really well taken penalty from Willian. So good, quite tough to step up and take a second penalty in a game. And the, the commentators were saying at the time as well, basically saying you just, um, you, you almost pick another penalty taker because there's too many mind games going on. Are you going the same way, going a different way? What do you do? 
Um, and, and well done for Willian looking cooler than anyone in the rest of the stadium, stepping up and mm-hmm. taking that penalty and putting it away. This is what I love about this man, though. He has nothing to prove in the Premier League anymore, aside from the fact that he can still do it. He's won everything. Cool as a cucumber. Just, ah, uh, like, I mean... It's such a shame that we're probably only realistically going to get like a year left of this guy performing probably at like this level. But he is just, I mean, just to pick his brain about football. I mean, if I if I was if I was any player in that squad at the moment, I would just be taking notes off of him constantly because he's consistently brilliant and he's just he's just got such a brilliant football brain that. Interesting, Jack, you said, and I, I did hear the commentators say that, you know, this is the moment where maybe, maybe you give it to someone else to take to relieve the pressure. I think at that moment in the game, what, what was it, the 94th It was the minute? 94th minute when he yeah. actually took the penalty, and yeah. I, I think it doesn't matter who steps up, whether it was the guy who scored in the 59th minute or a new guy, that's an enormous amount of pressure. It means so much. Yeah, of it's to, A, to win the game, and B, to get three points for a side who can't uh, score goals. It's huge amounts of pressure. And, you know, thank thank God that, like you say, Sam, he didn't feel the need to prove anything. I, I, I want to yeah. say about William, and I, I, I always think this when I watch the guy, it's, it's very impressive to watch a team knock the ball around really quickly. But... What I love about William is his ability, and this is where he's just super class. He, you know, in really, really tight spaces, when they're knocking it around in little triangles, he's thinking of the next move. When it starts getting tight, the ball comes to him. He always, well, not always, but very frequently, is already thinking about a player outside of the triangle, and he picks someone you know, 20 metres out and knocks the ball clear and immediately relieves pressure. And if he's ageing, I want a bit of that because <laughs> he, 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 he's, even if his legs can't do it, his brain can still do it and his, his feet and body can still do it. I love, um, what, you know, yeah. I love how um, he, he, he kind of reminds me like Messi um, in the sense, like older Messi playing. Messi does this thing where he just slows down and he kind of walks a bit. But he just looks around and is in total control of everything that he's doing. And, yeah, he's totally making that face the whole time of just being like, come on, guys, because he's just constantly annoyed and frustrated because he knows exactly how it should be sometimes. And then we kind of don't necessarily facilitate for him a lot, which is... It almost feels like if, if we had... If you had three highly skilled forward brazilian forwards or, or latin american forwards in this side i reckon will uh williams game would rise again because i think oh. he he's just so good at that kind of stuff if he was thrown into the mix with a few of those players in our squad i think we'd get something even more out of him well it will be for me felt like that he felt like he could be that extra piece now oh, we just need somebody he's, up front he, he's, he, i mean he scored it was a really good finish but his final he's, he's great at creating but his final ball is often pretty average still no, that's fair that's fair that's fair Look, I, I i love willian i i think you guys are maybe being pretty kind about his season so far he's not had a very good season so far, let's be honest. His performance better than Jimenez. 
sure, but everyone's better than Jimenez. But his performances have been pretty, pretty bleak so far this season. He had a good game against Sheffield United, where he got a goal and an assist. Got an assist in the League Cup against Norwich. Apart from that, and and the game against Wolves, he's been almost unsighted this season. Um, and I think you know we've talked about players slowing down, and he's definitely starting to slow down. And we're seeing, you know, some of those times last year where he would um, be standing up a player and then just cut to the right and all of a sudden find himself in a couple of yards of space and able to do something. I'm noticing this season he cuts to the right and he doesn't have that extra space that he was having last year. And it Mm. just feels like he's lost, again, half a yard of pace. And so I I think you can still get a lot out Mm. of a player like that, but it definitely feels like... I can't imagine he's going to go around again next season. I think he's got a, another year on his contract, but I, I don't imagine he's going to be our starter next season on the wing. Um, I, 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 I'm, I'm backing myself here. I still think it's a form thing with him. I don't. I agree with you. He hasn't had a compared to last season. He has not had a great season, Jack. 100. percent But there is still. Maybe that's what you're saying anyway. There are still moments, and, and maybe a half a yeah. dozen moments in a game, which are match-winning moments for a mid-table kind of team. And yeah, for sure. I, I'd still pick him because he's still utter, utter class. And he can do things and create stuff that many will never – would would – probably not even dream about half the things that he can do. I mean there's just there's just not much better that a team like Fulham can can do. You you try and unearth hidden gems mm. and pick up 22-year-olds from the depths of the European leagues and and find an unpolished diamond, but someone like Willian is he's got the experience, it's similar reasons why it's good having someone like Tim Ream in the team. They're they're an old head, they understand it. Um they they can lead from the front you know he's the man who steps up and takes the penalties but um i I just feel like i I can see that he's starting to slow down and i'm sure silver's got a bit of a plan if you look at players like bassi who he's bringing in trying to bring some younger players in and i I hope we also see like a contract extension for tosin because tosin bassi diop as a back three for the next five or six years is and Defugerols as well on top of that is exciting. Um, I think we need to see that on the wings as well. I think Harry Wilson is a good option, um, but he's starting to get on a little bit. I don't know exactly how old. I think he's 28 or so. Um, But we're going to have to find some younger players to take those positions in the next few years. A couple more talking points um, before we close out the game. The uh, In the 88th minute, I think it was, or 87th minute, 88th it was. Um, Carlos Vinicius has shown a yellow card. I, I don't know what to do with Vinny. I love him, uh, but at the same time, I pull my hair out when I see shit like that. He gets taken to the ground by Kilman, wins a free kick, does really well. He's holding up play effectively and um, holding up the ball close to the touchline. Gets pushed in the back by Max Kilman. Um, Kilman shouts, get up to him, which Vinny does. But in doing so, it does a weird snake-like motion up towards Kilman and then <laughs> effectively headbutts him in the face. You know, um, no, he sort of nose butts him. He kind of rubs his nose into his face. He sort of it was weird though. As you see him weird. come up, he's sort of doing a little snake action and yeah. then gets up and he doesn't actually I'd say it's in the process of getting up, he just doesn't 
move his head out the way of Kilman's head if you want to be technical about it. And I, I don't know if you guys watched the footage after the game. Um, I did, yeah. I, I can't remember who the referee was, who they talked to about it. And he basically says because the um, the contact is negligible and effectively he's not making forceful contact with the head, um, that that's why the referee only gave it as a yellow card. For me, that's a red card, and it should be, and it should be, mm-hmm. I think, Vinny's third red card of the season for striking, considering he smacked Thiago Silva in the back of the head as well um, with a forearm, and he did it the week before too. It, it's He's got an anger issue, and no, no, you know as much as I... Yeah, it, you it's, go. Well. It's, it's, it's really insecure. You know, he's a striker. Mm-hmm. He's frustrated. Because I'm telling you, if he was on his, if he would scored 25 goals, and was screaming with great form, he wouldn't be doing this shit. I I, and, I disagree. I think he would. I've, we've seen it so far that even when he's scoring goals, he's still lashing out at people. He look, he's got an issue. He's got an anger issue. And as much as I love him and actually want him to start over Jimenez, if he is a uh, a worry about potentially getting a red card in a game and then you play with 10 men and no striker, I can understand why Silva is maybe picking Jimenez at the moment. Look, I mean, he was brought in for a substitute for Mitrovic, so he had to have, like, poor emotional regulation. That had to be a prerequisite. <laughs> but um, that aside, um, look, he's got cult status for life because of the goal against Chelsea, and I'll always kind of love him for that. But let's face it, he's, he's just an idiot. He's always kind of been an idiot. I love him in the way that you love your problematic drunk uncle who is really, really fun. But, I mean, long-term, kind of thanks for the memories, but he's not a viable solution. I I, I, I like Muniz. I, I want to see Muniz um, get more time, and I think Silva also wants to see Muniz get more time. Oh, man, our striker situation again. I can't be asked talking about it. It's I feel. Do you know what I feel? Like? I feel like somebody who's like like just constantly banging on about like their ex girlfriend, and it's like just sh- shut up. Like we've heard it a million times before. We need to move on. She's gone. Mitrovic has gone. Just we just got to ride it out. Just ride it out till January. Hopefully, well, ride I, it out till January. I genuinely reckon that. At the end of this season, we will probably shift all three of them on. I reckon. Um, I think yeah. uh, there, there's a lot of um, interest in Muniz at the moment um, from Brazil. I think Vinny is proving that he is a little too volatile to be trusted, and Jimenez just isn't the Jimenez I think Silva was hoping for. If we mm. sign any of the um, strikers that we've been linked with in January and then bring another one in in the summer, I can't see a place for any of these guys, especially when you got people like Stansfield and Goddo sitting in the sidelines waiting to be your sort of third-choice striker. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think mm-hmm. I, I genuinely wouldn't be surprised if we saw all three leave it, in the summer, Yeah, well, especially I mean, with Jimenez on 100 I think you're right. If you're silver and really want to be serious as a Premier League manager, you just got to be cutthroat. You got to go. It's nothing personal, but this is just not working out. And as I you said before, Jack, it's, it's it's not about being cutthroat though. It's about the fact that this is this is what he's got. He do, he wasn't mm. backed to spend money on other strikers, so he just had to suck it up and deal with it. 
But in, in uh, well, I'm, I'm assuming that the reason for him signing a new contract with us was that the Khan said you will be given money for a striker, and so that's the reason he actually hung around. Because I can't imagine he would if they said, "Yeah, you got to put up with Vinny and Jimenez and Muniz as your Muniz is looking like our best striker at the moment. He couldn't get a game for Middlesbrough last year." Yeah. I yeah. like Muniz. Muniz is probably the only one I'd actually be kind but of sad to leave. He doesn't. He he doesn't have the skill level required. No, he, he Muniz is young. I think like he's only twenty three. Yeah, twenty two. Um, yeah, twenty two. Yeah. So I, I don't really see that as a factor. I I think I, uh, I do. I think you you send him out on loan for a couple of years, and you could potentially, um, you could potentially get something out of him. Um, I think it would be unwise to completely give up on him too early, but I just feel like it could be time for a bit of a fresh start and cleaning out all three sort of makes the most sense at this stage. Mm. The only problem is it breaks up our Samba Whites because that's selling two Brazilian players, which would just be devastating for the rest of the, the uh, Brazilian crew well, in the club. I mean, we just get more Brazilians. There's plenty of them. Like Rio <laughs> yeah, well, de Janeiro got- is packed. <laughs> <laughs> Andre coming and Pedro as well as a, as another rumor at the moment. So we'll be replacing some Brazilians with some more Brazilians. Yeah. Um, uh, one other comment as well to make, I guess, um, for me, player of the match, Tom Kearney. And what? it's someone who we've talked about a little bit as someone who we'd like to see in the starting lineup occasionally. I don't think he always... We were calling for it. We co- No, we called for it. He doesn't always get put in our starting lineups though because he he's a particular type of player but geez he he had such a good game last night he was in control of of the whole game he pulled the strings for Fulham all night long everything came through Tom Kearney um he he was just calm and and centered and it's the Tom Kearney of old it almost felt like I, I know he doesn't have the pace that he used to but his footwork was superb his decision making was superb I think he had a, a brilliant game, and I looked at the Premier League's uh, man of the match voting, and he took out one percent of the vote, which to me was just ridiculous. Um, your your thoughts on Kenny, Dad? I'll throw you first. As I said, um, we discussed this before the game, and you know, in the absence of Polina being, you know, a, a given if he's available and fit. Um, it, it, the question is always, who, who do we pair him up with? You know, is it Lukic or is it Reed? And <clears throat> and Tom Kearney is never really considered in the last 12 months as being a viable starter. And so, mm-hmm. uh, you know, we, 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 we definitely discussed this. And I, I love the fact that he grabbed his chance and mm-hmm. proved that he, he, he is a viable starter. I think everyone thought he couldn't do 90 minutes and, you know, he certainly did. Um, so, yeah, I, I, I loved it. I, I, I kind of miss him, actually. And when things haven't been working, why wouldn't you throw to a more creative player to try and make something happen? And uh, I, th- I thought it was great. I mean, I'm much happier with him on the field than... Um, Lukic in in this particular situation, definitely. Mm. Don't mind Lukic when he's with, paired up with Polina, uh, yeah. but I don't know. I just preferred I preferred uh, um, Tom Kearney last night. Kearney. Definitely, Sammy. 
I think I think we've touched on it before. Um, I think he I think he I think you guys are right. Um, he he did play he played great. Um, I think he always benefits though by playing um, teams that do have a lesser quality midfield. I mean, like I know like Lamina is really really strong, and um, uh, oh, to be honest, I can't even remember like half the Wolves players anyway. So I'm not even gonna pretend like I do. But I do feel that like we had. Um, uh, a lot of time to create in midfield. Uh, I don't really think like we were particularly challenged. I don't think um, Kenny was challenged, but I also don't think Harrison Reed was challenged either. And I think in those moments, Kenny always shines. Um, I mean, going into a game against like Liverpool and how strong that midfield is in particular, I'm not necessarily sure if we'd see the exact same version of him. I could be completely wrong, but I I just don't necessarily see it. I think he shines when um uh I think he shines when he's playing players that are of his quality or slightly below, but then when he's kind of matched with um some higher quality, I think he does kind of struggle, but he will always benefit by coming on in that 60-70 minute mark. Um but that's just my that's just my perspective on it. Um, yeah, yeah. Um, can, yeah. Can, can I just say one more thing, actually, which I think is a a major bogey or milestone that we've sort of brushed aside. Is this the first game in many yes. many that we actually won without Polinia? It is. I think so. so. Yeah. I believe we'd lost all five or six of the games we've played without Polina in the side, excluding cup games where he obviously gets rested. Um, but in league games where he was suspended or out injured last year, um, this is the first time that we've managed to win. It's also, I think, the first time we've, or maybe just the second time in the last like 12 years we've won against Wolves and mm. the first mm. time in a very long time since we've won on a Monday night. So breaking a couple of bogeys um, last night, which was it's important. These are things that are bugbears for players and, you know, these guys are superstitious and they do pay attention to these kinds of things. Um, and, and, you know, because it's in the media all the time. Fulham never win without Polina in the side. So to actually prove everyone wrong against the side higher than us in the table is an important little moment for us. I do think, though, I do think, though, we won the game from the wings. I know that seems like an obvious statement, but... I don't. I don't think we won the game from like the midfield. Um, but but if we're saying Tom Kearney, and we could split hairs on this, but he if he wasn't best on ground, he was damn near close to it. Absolutely, and how, absolutely. And, and 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 how is he not having a massive impact on the game, regardless of whether you think we won the game because we created from the, from the wings? Oh no, I'm not disputing that at all. I'm I'm just I'm just saying I feel like that is worth mentioning. So I feel that like um. Even though Polina was out of the mix, um, I feel that he didn't necessarily need to be in the mix for us to win this game. Does that make sense? Mm, I, it does, but I don't agree. Sense. I don't agree with you. <laughs> That's okay. That's okay. Podcasts are about discourse. <laughs> oh, dear. Um, let's have a quick look at the stats from the game. Fulham had 60% possession for the game. Um, to Wolves 40, Fulham 12 shots with six on target, Wolves 10 shots with six on target, Fulham obviously with the possession out past 639 to 432, 
six Fulham corners to Wolves, two and 13 fouls apiece. Um, let's take a quick look at the table itself. Uh, we now see Fulham opening up a little bit of a gap uh, over Sheffield oh, United, who are sitting in 18th place. We now have a 10-point gap and a very healthy, not healthy yet, but a, a decent little buffer in terms of goal difference, um, thanks to a couple of um, good results recently. Um, Luton obviously got a good result on the weekend, got a win. It's their second win of the season. They moved to nine points. We still have a six-point buffer on them. So, we uh, look, I expect Everton to climb out of the of the bottom uh, bottom three. Uh, if they hadn't had their 10-point point deduction, they'd be sitting a place behind us at the moment and we'd be six points clear of relegation um, and a few places clear. But I, I think the other th- way to look at it is if you look up the table, we're actually one point away from 10th. So yeah. it's not like we're, uh, we're the only club in the same situation. If, if you're saying that Fulham are getting dragged into a relegation fight, you have to say... Palace, Wolves and Brentford are also getting dragged into that relegation fight because we're all sitting in a very similar position at the moment. Um, And look, it's it's a congested little period coming up. We'll hopefully podcast later this week and talk about that. Um, Fact of the matter is we've got seven games in the next 33 days between now and New Year's Eve. Um, it's a game roughly every four point, I would say roughly every 4.7 days. It's a game exactly every 4.7 days. Um, so it's, it's a period where you're going to have to rest players like Willian and Tim Ream. You're going to have to rotate players in and out. Um, when, when you look at some of the defenders, guys like Robinson, who's played every game, maybe we'll see him miss a few, um, especially as he was playing international duty during that time as well. Maybe we'll see some youth come into the side. Maybe we'll see a little bit more of Tom Kearney because, um, you know, we, we can have a few more uh, combinations of players in our midfield and, and combinations of wingers as well. Um, we will talk about the upcoming game against Liverpool uh, later in the week, but it's, it's a tough game in a, in a tough little period for us and one where, look, we're, we're probably not expecting to get anything out of this game and Liverpool have been in pretty good form this season as well. They're currently sitting third in the league, just two points um, two points off top spot. Uh, they'll be looking to obviously win this game to, to lift them, um, hopefully, to the top of the Premier League. They, they've had good results against Man City recently. They're, they're being quite clinical at the moment, so it's going to be a tough game for us. Um, but, look, you, you, you just never know with games like this. We've actually managed to get some pretty good results against Liverpool in the past. So um, fingers are firmly crossed for that game at Anfield next Sunday. Uh, it's a 2pm kickoff, um, but like I said, later in the week uh, when we get together to preview this game, uh, we'll discuss it in a little bit more detail. Um, let's move on and we'll have a quick chat about the Fulham women's team um, who had a, another good victory on the weekend, uh, obviously coming off the back of that Huge game at Craven Cottage. Um, back into league action now, playing Crawley AFC. Uh, Crawley are newly promoted into uh, the league. Uh, currently, unfortunately for Crawley, have lost all of their 13 or uh, 11 games so far this season. Um, so without a point yet. And um, look, Fulham were clinical. Uh, unfortunately, we've not been able to see the highlights for this game yet, but um, Georgia Heesman opened the scoring. Sophie Manzi scored two. The first one was a penalty. And uh, Becky Stormer uh, closed out the the scoring in the 38th minute to make it 4-0. Uh, 
Um, Crawley managed to hold tight in the second half and basically park the bus and uh, avoid getting defeated by a, a larger number of goals. Uh, and I think Fulham probably took the foot off the gas a little bit in the second half um, with some important games coming up in the uh, in the coming weeks. Um, Dad and Sam, how important is it to be clinical in games like this when you're playing a team bottom of the table? They'd be looking for any possible scalps. Um, and, you know, riding high off the Arsenal game, you, you do need to try and refocus in, in instances like this. Yeah, I think, I mean, um, you, you, without putting too much pressure on this team, it, it is expected. It's about par. Uh, given where we are in the league, given our form, you would expect them to dispatch Crawley pretty ruthlessly. Um, I, I don't understand. It's unusual that you score four in the first half uh, and then don't score any further goals in the second half of the game. Mm. Got nothing I don't, to prove I don't know anymore. Why. Got nothing to prove. Well, I, but I think I think w- one of the things that you kind of need to be able to do is, uh, you know, full execution would be pushing on and, and uh, you know, if, if if they're that weak and you score four, you should be getting six or seven, you'd think. Mm-hmm. Um, so, but I, I, you know, don't know enough about what may have occurred um, to to really be able to talk about that, but it's, it's unusual. It's unusual. You hear that, girls? Yeah, not I, good enough. Elton said it's yeah. not good enough. Just keep I, on I think battering. Damn right, damn right. From from all accounts, it seems like um, you know, Crawley terrible parent put a put in a monumental effort to actually just completely shut the game down and and to make sure that they didn't you know effectively get embarrassed in this game um, because it, you know it, it's what we want to see when we play teams uh, in a higher division from us. We want to make sure that you you just put in a good showing more than anything. The result doesn't matter quite as much sometimes, especially when you're 4-0 down at half-time. The the manager would be saying to them at half-time, saying, let's let's not let this get to 10-0. Playing playing for pride, I think, is the term. It it is for pride, and and I think they've actually done a very good job here, considering, let's be perfectly honest, they're bottom of the league, struggling to pick up points at all. This is... uh, you know, if if you can keep a, a clean sheet in one half of a game against a, a flying Fulham, uh, I think it actually is something that they can take away and, and take into the next game. So uh, I understand why why we went into halftime at 4-0 and didn't extend the lead. Um, so obviously, I, I think I'm sure all the strikers who were on the pitch definitely wanted to um, score a few more, but... Um, it's the way it goes. Sometimes you can't always score ten. If you could, we'd be doing it every week. Um, but look, that gotta, yeah, sometimes you just got to give back to the community. You got to throw them the bone. <laughs> you got to you got to keep some fight in uh, Crawley. You know, just, um, just let them leave. Two goals for Sophie Manzi takes her to the top of the goal scoring charts. That's fifteen goals for her so far this season. Um, just proving bonk. to be a, a superb signing for Fulham. Um, Georgia Heisman scored her 10th for the season. Becky Stormer with her fourth. Um, and obviously Becky scored in the Arsenal. No, Becky didn't score in the Arsenal game. Um, but Becky scored a couple of weeks before. Um, it's Again, we, we've said it week in, week out. It's great to see uh, an array of goal scorers. And it's not all being put on one person because I think that puts way too much pressure on someone. 
Um, the fact of the matter is we now have, uh, I think, six players with five or more goals so far this season with 11 games gone. Um, it's a really good return. And look, it's it's an important result. Dartford, um, who are sitting top of the league, didn't play in the league this week. Um, so that win puts us just two points off top spot uh, with mm. Dartford still to play their game. But more than anything, it puts pressure on Dartford going forward. Um, and, and that's all we can ask for is just to keep the pressure on Dartford um, mm-hmm. because you, all you can do is is keep scoring goals, keep picking up points and wait for Dartford to slip up. We do our job and, and you just cross your fingers that they, they have that moment and we'll, we'll have to come up against them later in the season as well. And if you're right behind them and they know that they lose that game and we overtake them, it's there's major mind games going on there, so I'm I'm looking forward to that game later in the season. Yeah, um, hopefully there's not even mind games. Hopefully it's just Manzi mugging defenses. Fingers crossed. <laughs> uh, game this weekend, uh, Sunday the third of December at at three pm. Played at Homeland Stadium. Uh, Fulham will be taking on Ashford United. Ashford currently sitting ninth in the league uh, from eleven games. They've picked up twelve points. Just the three wins so far this season. Um, a, a fairly good goal difference considering they've sort of got a losing record at the moment of minus two. And the teams around them all have uh, goal differences of sort of minus 20, minus 30. So um, they've obviously got a fairly good defensive um, lineup, maybe not scoring the goals that they'd be hoping for. Um, but again, it's another opportunity for Fulham to walk away with a victory. Um, Dad and Sam, how important, as we sort of said, coming into this Crawley game, how important is it just to make sure that you get the job done in games like this um, where, you know, like I said before, a team like Ashford would be looking for a scalp? Well, I think it was my father who said a couple of weeks back that um, you got to put your foot on the neck and just keep pressing down. Um, uh, so as long as, as long as they just keep on doing that and just, just asserting dominance, it's all very violent. It's all very violent, violent descriptions. Um, but yeah, look, the, girl, the girls are on a run right now. Let them keep running. It was the throat, actually, Sam. Oh, my mistake. My mistake. my mistake. My mistake. I can only apologize. <laughs> yeah. Um, and look, uh, on the weekend as well, um, Dartford will be playing against Salt Dean. Now, Salt Dean. Um, are currently sitting fourth in the league. Um, they've, uh, sorry, fifth in the league. They've won five of their eight games this season. Um, they'll they'll definitely push Dartford and be looking for a result there. Um, and look, this could be the week that Dartford do slip up and and Fulham actually take the lead and um, potentially jump up a, a few places. Dartford have a couple of tough games in Salt Dean and Dulwich Hamlet coming up. Um, Fulham obviously playing Ashford, and I think the week after we have Ebbsfleet, which is going to be a bit of a tough game for us. Ebbsfleet sitting in fourth place. Um, and so, yeah, I mean, just to sort of echo what we said a few times already, it's just about picking up consistent points, uh, playing at our very best and um, focusing on the league now because um, I think we, we're pretty much done with Cups until mid-February sometime now. Um, we got a lot of away games in that period as well. There's obviously a bit of a break over the Christmas period. Um but there's, there's, yeah, the three games before the Christmas break, Ashford, Edsfleet and Salt Dean, going to be very important ones um, that could 
I guess, um, you know, give us a better idea of where our season's going come the second half of the season. Um, looking forward to seeing the highlights from the um, the game against Crawley and um, look, hopefully seeing a little bit more uh, extended footage of the women's team over the next few weeks as well. Um, like we said a few times, it was such a joy to be able to cover the Arsenal game and we, we hope to be able to cover it in more detail going forward. Guys, we have probably come to the end of the podcast. We'll, like I said, look to catch up in the coming days to preview the Liverpool game. Um, it's it's a really good result for us. We've got a busy period coming up and picking up three points against Wolves. I, I feel like if we had lost this game, it would be a pretty dire podcast to be sitting in at the moment because we'd be mm. a handful of points away from the, well, not a handful, seven points away from the relegation zone, but with Luton and Everton sort of breathing down our necks. Fortunately, we're not in that position and we did manage to come away with a good result. But um, yeah, it's there's a bit of positivity flowing at the moment. And I, I can't remember if I said it in my post-game tweet, uh, my, my thoughts after the game, but it feels like there's there are enough positive moments and enough sparks to be able to look at this and say, if we make a couple of signings in January, there's, there's some potential still here. Um, yeah. You look yeah. at putting like Bassi and Tosin or Diop in defense together, uh, picking up someone to partner, uh, picking up Andre, for example, to partner Polina for the rest of the season, picking up a striker who can actually score goals. Like there is a couple of missing Imagine pieces that. of the puzzle. But uh, imagine if we do actually fill those pieces and all of a sudden we we fly in the second half of the season. Re- I think I saw someone tweet saying, um, from here we probably only need 21 points for safety, seven wins. Mm. And if you look at our next um, 10 games or so, there are sort of maybe six winnable games in there. Um, and it could be that by sort of mid-February, we're actually looking at potentially needing just a handful of points to officially be safe. It's it. There's that there's a couple of things me. that need to happen. Yeah, yeah. It, it wouldn't surprise me that. I mean, it would it would be a kind of a MacGyvering season to get it over the line, and it wouldn't be pretty. But it wouldn't surprise me if we end up doing that at all. I, I, I mean, looking like, at yeah. our, go on, Sammy. So sorry. I feel that I feel that we will stumble over into next season, and I think mm. you're 100 right. I think. This game was actually probably the first game in a really long time where I've just been like, oh, I can actually see the potential makings of what Fulham Phase 2 is going to be. And it does feel exciting. I feel It does feel that we're kind of on the precipice of something good happening, provided we um, cut the fat. Uh, so yeah, no, there's there's so many positives, and in all honesty, I don't really want to play Liverpool next week. And if you want to avoid that, low key season two is really good. So if you just want to distract yourself, or just ride out this high, just keep riding out the high, guys. Just ride out for as long as possible, you know. <laughs> yeah, look, if you if you look at our fixtures coming up um, through to the tenth of February, we have to play Burnley and Bournemouth twice in that period. That's Very right. possible we pick up four wins in those games. Right. We play that. Everton um, and Nottingham Forest as well, so there's potential Love for that. another couple of wins. Love that. Six wins, what's that, 18 points to go with our 15 that we've already got. That takes us to 33 points in mid-Feb. And like I said before, I'm pretty sure 35, 36 points will be safe this season. 
It sounds um, delicious. It sounds nice when you put it like that. That's all right. And, and then look, we've we've got to still play Luton again. We've got to play Brentford again. Got to play Palace again. Got to play a few sides. Sheffield United as well. Wolves again. There's there's. I can see the way forward from here. I'm not thinking that it's too dire at the moment. There's a long way to go though. Mm. More penalties. <laughs> More penalties. You know, just more just, penalties yeah. would be good. Yeah. <laughs> so look guys I, I think we can wrap it up there thank you very much for joining me tonight sammy i'm sure you're very happy that this is finishing at 10 past midnight for you rather than the usual 2 a.m dude uh especially after last podcast where i couldn't see for like the past like the last 20 minutes this is this is beautiful this is sensational i might actually even watch something after i finish this which can you believe can you believe now <laughs> Uh, thank you for having me. I had a lot of fun. It's l- I love doing this with energy, uh, much to you two's dismay. Uh, long may it rain. Here, here. Carpe diem. Thank you very much. Yeah. Yep. Okay. Uh, look, um, <laughs> I, I'm just so happy that we finally got a win. And there were really entertaining moments. It was actually an exciting game. Mm. And I got a, a bit of an injection of energy after what feels like four or five or six weeks of Dread. yeah not a lot to not not a lot to crow about you know after all why why do you follow a team if uh, you can't get a few highs out of it mm. yeah absolutely um like you say you we follow these teams for these little high these little moments where uh, you you know spend 20 minutes in the morning feeling great and you actually yeah. have to go to work um, but it's hundred percent worth it, even though I'm absolutely knackered. Um, look guys, thank you again for joining us. Thank you to everyone who's joined on the live stream. We had a load of people watching along today, which is great. Um, make sure as always that you do share this, um, this stream and share when we, um, post up the actual link to Spotify and Apple so that people can find the podcast and we can keep growing our little That's So Craven family. Um, thank you again to everyone and until next time come on you whites